Romans chapter number 16 is what we will begin reading today. It is customary for us to stand for the reading of the word. Lord, have your way in this place, God. Speak to us right now, Lord. I thank you, O oh God, for everything that you've done. This is your church. These are your people. We are the sheep of your pasture. I'm your vessel right now, God. Use me as your vessel. Help me, Lord, to speak every word that is intended. Help me, Lord God, that my flesh will not get in the way. In Jesus' name we pray. Jesus' name. Romans chapter number 16. We will read just this one verse of Scripture. And verse number 13 says, Salute Rufus. Everyone say Rufus. We're going to learn about Rufus today. First of all, because I just like that name, Rufus. We're going to learn about Rufus. You don't find too many Rufuses in the world. You meet a Rufus, you, you better get to know that man. You better, because he go be somebody. If the, if the mother named him Rufus, he, he go be something. I don't know what you go be. He, he has to be tough. With a name like Rufus, you can't be soft now. Because you go get teased. Salute Rufus. The Bible says he's chosen in the Lord. Salute Rufus, chosen in the Lord. And his mother and mine. I want to preach today for a few moments on a simple subject of present. Present. Someone say present. I'm not talking about gifts. I'm talking about you being right where you are. Present. If you're ready to receive the word, lay your Bibles to the side. Let's clap our hands unto the Lord and magnify. In Jesus' name. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. If I can lay us some foundation here, Paul is finishing up his third journey. Is where we find ourselves here in Romans chapter number 16. No doubt he knows that he will never return to Corinth from which this letter was written. It could also be assumed that Paul senses the ending of his life and his ministry. The book of Romans was written about 56, 57 A.D., and Paul was arrested and taken to Rome in 57 A.D. Prison awaits him, and the enemies of the cross of Jesus Christ have done their best to pilfer each piece of the gospel from the hearts of every hearer. Paul might recognize some of the most important people in his ministry, but a handful of times— especially maybe knowing the narrowing measure of his coming days, he will send greetings to, the, to these exceptional people that we find here in the book of Romans chapter 16. Now, it's a short list of very important people that Paul sends salutations. These are people who saved him. These are people who helped him. Many of them nurtured him through the most painful and lonely times in his life. For the Bible says in Romans 16, verse 3, it says, Priscilla and Aquila, my helpers in Christ Jesus, who have for my life laid down their own necks. Another version says in 16, verse number 4, they risk their lives for me. Romans 16, verse number 7 says, Salute Andronicus and Junia, my kinsmen and my fellow prisoners. 
meaning here that they were in prison with Paul, inmates no less. Romans 16, 11 says, salute Herodian, my kinsmen, meaning that Herodian came from Paul's origin. But even more than that, in the older manuscripts, if you do a little history, that this man Herodian was converted after serving with Paul in his military maneuvers, which included persecuting the church. The Bible says in Romans 16, verse number 12, salute the beloved Persis, which labored much in the Lord. Now, these mentioned are just some of the most important and impactful people of his ministry. They all carry significance somehow in, in some way. And then here it is again, one of everyone's favorite verses of the Bible. I know it is. Romans 16, verse number 13 says, salute Rufus. Chosen in the Lord and his mother and mine. Now let's put some context around all of this. The book of the apostolic history has barely opened when those remaining disciples must maneuver through a myriad of issues. Peter is managing the aftermath of the betrayal of Judas and the loss of one of them. There is that problem with unity and hidden agendas and hierarchy. The resurrection of Jesus from the grave has not put to rest the residue of controversy that has already risen to the surface. Often lost in the narrative of the explosion of Pentecost is the first chapter of the book of Acts, where Peter once again rises to the occasion to handle the matter of the loss of one of the apostles, Judas. For the Bible says, and Luke is the writer here in Acts 1, verse number 1, the former trustees have I made, O Theophilus." Of all that Jesus began both to do and teach until the day in which he was taken up, after that he, through the Holy Ghost, had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen. The Bible says to whom also he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible or undeniable proofs. Being seen of them 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. And being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, you have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. Verse number 10, the Bible goes on to say, while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel. And verse number 11 says, why, which also said ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into the heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as you have seen him go into heaven. Some ought to say hallelujah. So they quickly gather themselves and the names of so many are mentioned, notwithstanding the women. And now the, in that particular setting, it's Peter who in Acts chapter number 1, verse number 15, the Bible says, stood up in the midst of the disciples and said, men and brethren, the scripture must needs have been fulfilled, which the Holy Ghost by the mouth of David spake before concerning Judas, which was guide to them that took Jesus. In verse 17, he says he was numbered with them and had obtained part of this ministry. Peter told of the death of Judas is both tragic and prophetic. We find it prophetic in Acts number 1, verse number 20. For the Bible says, for it is written in the book of Psalms, let his habitation be desolate and let no man dwell therein and his bishopric let another take. 
And now Peter gets to the point as they are replacing the empty seat of Judas in verse number 21. It says, wherefore of these men which have companied with us, somebody say all the time, company with us all the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us beginning from he even gives specific instructions beginning from the baptism of John until that same day that he was taken up from us must one be ordained to be a witness with us of his resurrection it continues to say and they appointed to Joseph and Matthias the Bible says and they prayed and said thou Lord you know us you know us what we should do. And verse number 25 says, take part of this ministry and the apostleship. You know what we should do. You know who should take part of this ministry. You know who should be a part of this apostleship. And the Bible says in verse number 26, and they cast forth their lots. And the lot fell upon Matthias. And he was numbered with the 11 apostles. Now consider this. Consider the number 12, you, 12 if you will. Many scholars consider the number 5 as grace. They consider the number six as the number of man because man was made on the sixth day. They consider the number of seven was the number of spiritual perfection. The number 10, the number of divine perfection. And 12 is the number of governance. 12 is the number of governance. But there are only 11 apostles. There's 11 apostles that remain and on the day Right before the outpouring of the Holy Ghost, they are looking for a man to fill the empty seat. Whoever might walk into that place will stride down the corridor of prophecy because Jesus has said in Matthew chapter 19, verse number 28, he says, ye which have followed me, you also shall sit upon 12 thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel. John the Revelatory writes in Revelation 21 verse number 14 and the wall of the city had 12 foundations and in them the name of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. 12 foundations bearing the names of the 12 apostles. We are all built upon the foundations of the apostles and the prophets. But we have a problem here because Judas is gone. The 12 are now 11 and a decision has to be made. And Peter rises to address this pressing issue, either probed by the Holy Spirit or by his own internal knowledge of God's order. Peter must settle the deficit, and he says, we need someone to fill the missing role left by Judas. But it must be somebody who has been with us from the beginning. Someone who has been here the whole time. Someone who has been with us as Jesus, the Bible says, went in and out among us. The requirement was not exhausting, neither was the requirement elaborate. Think of it. They were choosing someone who had been with them. And it was Matthias. Matthias was chosen by God. Matthias saw the lame healed. He saw the blind eyes open. He was there when Jesus left them and departed to the mountain. He was there when the four friends tore off the roof from the house and lowered the crippled man down. Matthias witnessed hundreds, if not thousands, fed with almost nothing. He saw the power of multiplication. He was with them when the creator made something from nothing. The Bible says it must be someone that was with us. All the time Jesus went in and out among us. He was there when the lepers came out and Jesus defied the rules of religious conduct and reached out and touched them. Matthias was there. However, if you take a look into history 
of the written word, you will find no attributing writings by Matthias. There are no books or notable things born of him. And yet there is a reason why Matthias was included and it was not because of his renowned intellect even though he may have been an intelligent man. It's not because of his talent or some keen ability into spiritual matters, which he may or may not have had. Not for money's sake or influence or prestige or some pedigree that we are attributing a lot of things to. No, but the reason for his inclusion was he was present. I want you to tell someone next to you, you belong here. Come on, tell them like you mean it. You belong here. I want you to tell that same person, it's good for you to be here. Why? Because presence is the difference. Not gifting, not ability, not heritage, but presence is the spread between victory and defeat. Not knowledge or insight. That's why the Bible says how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. I want to give a myth buster here. I love myth busters. I love when people think they know what they're talking about or they think they know something based off history, but that history is wrong. I want to give you a myth buster here. You don't need to be gifted for us to have revival in this church. You do not have to be gifted. Everyone from the front to the back doesn't have to be gifted for us to have revival in this church. No, you just need to be present. Because presence doesn't require anything but you. I have seen churches that have all the talent in the world and no revival. I've seen churches that have all the talent in the world but no harvest. Why? Because they lack presence. The Bible says in Exodus chapter number 24, verse number 12, that God said unto Moses, come up to me into the mount and somebody say, be here. Come up to the mountain, be here, and I will give tables of stone and a law and a commandment which I have written that thou mightest teach. Because some things, perhaps the most critical of all things, can only be given when you are there. They are not transferable by word of mouth or by secondhand information. Moses had been present and it sustained him even when people rejected him. So I want to ask this church a simple question. Are we asking for the harvest from the Lord? Is that our intent? Are we ready to reap the harvest? The harvest can only be reaped when the people who want it are present in the field. Empty fields bear no fruit. Empty fields have no baskets. Great talent means nothing if it's not available. Great talent means nothing if it's not available. Knowledge, even wisdom, which is the principal thing the Bible says. All of it is important, but if it's not present, it does no good. Let me share with you something, just how powerful the presence is. The powerful thing of being present, because David mishandled the ark of God. We know that story. When he mishandled the ark of God. He placed the ark in the house of Obed-Edom, the Bible says. And the Bible says that Obed-Edom household his entire household was blessed and the bible says all that he had was blessed why because he was there he was present allow me to go just a little bit deeper here it's the weekend of the passover people from all around have come with their offerings they have converged yet once again for worship and sacrifice and little do they know that the ultimate sacrifice will be offered on this most 
pivotal Passover. Jesus is weakened by several sleepless nights. The pit where he was held and the beatings that afflicted his every move, the blood loss alone was enough to cause delirium. Jesus is beat through the streets until finally they gave him his own cross. But that 80 to 90 pound cross beam is too heavy. He stumbles through the winding pathway. The onlookers cannot even imagine. Look at this bloody mess. His body so marred and mangled that he doesn't even look like a man. But there present is a man watching. There in the midst is one man out of many that just happens to be there. Jesus stumbles and then the beam falls to the ground. One of the Roman soldiers looks and finds someone to help Jesus carry his cross. And that man who was most present is Simon of Cyrene. Simon the Cyrene has come from the northern part of Africa for the intent of making a sacrifice. He's come to Jerusalem for the Passover. Little does he know that while he has come to worship carrying his own lamb, that he will come in contact with the lamb. They press the duty of the cross of Jesus on the shoulders of Simon the Cyrene. Not because he was strong, not because he was wise or full of understanding. Simon the Cyrene was not chosen because he was qualified. He was chosen because he was present. See, presence doesn't just affect you. Uh-huh. But presence affects those around you, including your household. Because Simon just happened to be present at the right place at the right time. He was blessed. Little did he know he was walking into that situation, but he just happened to be there. I remember when we baptized Sister Leslie, and on that particular Sunday when the Lord blessed her and she had her sins washed away. I remember when she came out of the water and when she came down and we were rejoicing with her, she came up to me and said, I was in the right place at the right time. See, you just have no idea when you come into the house of the Lord, you just don't know what can take place at the right time because God is able to do anything at any time for anybody. See, present doesn't just affect you, but you being present travels beyond your moment. When you're here, something is changing, being rearranged in your life and in your home. Your family will forever be changed by you being here. Simon, a Cyrenian, is forever change. Let's not forget about that verse in Romans chapter number 16 that talks about that wonderful man by the name of Rufus. See, Jesus has been beaten. His blood was spilled out of his body like an open faucet. And when they press Simon to help him, there is a transfer of blood. Simon is carrying, holding the very item that graced the hands, arms, and shoulders of Jesus. The blood of Jesus is now on Simon. Simon feels it in his hands. He feels it upon his clothes. As he's carrying that cross of Jesus, that blood transfers all over him. It's all over his hands. It's on his body. As he's going to that hill where Jesus is to be crucified. So where does Rufus come into play? How does Rufus fit in all this? Well, if you go to the book of Mark, chapter number 15, verse number 21, the Bible says, and they compel one Simon of Cyrene, 
who passed by coming out of the country, the father of Alexander, and someone say Rufus. That's where Rufus comes into play because it just happened to be his daddy that carried the cross. Now I want you to imagine this now because now that his dad shows up to give a sacrifice, now he's carrying the ultimate sacrifice. And now no doubt blood is all over his body. Can you imagine when he walks in at home, Rufus says, Daddy, what happened to you? What is going on? Why is all this blood on you? Why are you bloody? Did something happen? What is wrong? And no doubt his boys are trying to figure out what took place today. And Simon looks at his kids and says, son, you just have no idea. I just happened to be there. I just happened to be present. I just happened to be at the right place at the right time. It just happened that I was on my way to sacrifice. And I found myself in the presence of the sacrifice. Because even though the children thought, Dad, are you hurt? Did someone do this to you? Oh, no, son. I just happened to be there. I just happened to be present. See, you have no idea how you are affecting your future by just being present. You have no idea how you're affecting your loved ones and your family just by being present. I know it's hard to be present, but I thank the Lord for the people of God that pressed their way to the house of the Lord and say I've got to be here I know I don't feel like it but I've got to be present I don't know what can take place I tell you, it bothers me. Every time there was a time when I missed church, whatever the situation was, I would miss church that Sunday. And then my wife would come home and say, boy, you missed it. Every time I missed church, it seemed like I missed it. It seemed like there was a crazy blowout. So I determined long ago, even before I was pastor, I am not missing one service because I'm just waiting my opportunity. I don't know when it's going to be my time, but today it can be somebody's time just because you are present. Why? Because your presence matters. At any moment, at any time, your life can be changed. Your course of life can be altered simply because you are present. I'm going to say that again. Your life can change. The course of life can be altered simply because you're present. See, there's many people that don't press their way out to the house of the Lord. See, God honors your presence. I I, want to help you here today. Don't think you just came here on this Sunday evening, just some mundane Sunday evening, and you feel like you have to be here. Oh, no. It's a joy for me to be here. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go to the house of the Lord. If I didn't have a talent, if I didn't have an ability, if I could not preach, I would still be in the house of the Lord. I would still worship him. Because your presence matters. It matters. Uh We want revival? Be here. You don't have to play an instrument. You know we can have revival without music. Uh Uh-oh. 
I don't think this side of the church believe that. Do y'all know that? Okay, I got about five of y'all. Uh-uh. Don't, don't think because, well, I, I wish I could do that. I wish I could do that. Trust me, I wish I could sing all the time. That ain't going to stop me from singing though now, y'all. y'all don't. I'm going to keep singing. I got a song in my spirit right now. You better get ready, Sister Gopher. We might sing it. No, just be here. That's it. Just be present. Just show up. That's it. Just your presence, revival. Just your presence, harvest. There are so many people that work so hard to get everything just so perfect, thinking that our perfection is going to bring harvest. Not true. Our perfection won't bring harvest. No, we don't work hard to, for perfection in certain abilities and talents that God has given us just for the harvest. No, we show up for the harvest. God will continue to honor and bless our talents and abilities. But for the harvest, we just show up. Now I'll tell your neighbor, it's good for you to be here. It takes on a whole new meaning now. Because I can talk and preach about presence for a while but let's go to the flip side for a moment and talk about absence because absence makes you cold it numbs your sensitivity to the spirit of the church and the spirit of God can I pause here for a moment and we ought to give honor to all of those brave women and men those that are in the Mitchell Center they press their way here to church every single week Amen. I thank the Lord for that. I thank the Lord that we even have that option. And I thank the Lord that they just have a desire to be in the presence of the Lord. They have a desire to come to church. Amen. They're being cautious, and I thank the Lord for that. They want to be cautious. And those that say, but I'm not going to stay home. I want to be in the house of the Lord. I would rather be under this roof. I would rather be amongst God's people. I would rather be present. Amen. Absence makes you cold. It numbs your sensitivity to the spirit of the church and the spirit of God. At best, at best, absence causes you to hear about the miracles rather than see the miracles. At worst, you have no idea what happened. While others are praying at the altar, you feel apprehensive to join them because it's been so long since you've been around. See, absence plays games on your mind. You think that others don't care about you. You imagine things said and done against you, even though none of it is true. Absence has the same effect on you spiritually, just as sin. It has an effect on your spiritual walk as sin. The end result is a life without a covering. I'm going to say that again. The end result is a life without a covering. The absent have no authority. The absent has no authority. They have no pastor. And hence they do not exercise submission, obedience, or humility. The absent hear no word. They hear no correction. In fact, the absent feel self-justified. This is the fleshly reaction in response to those who are present. They will say, I have my own walk with God. Or you don't have to attend church to be saved. See, the absent are like Judas, they betray. The absent are like Saul, they disobey. 
Being absent is the only step you need to take to lose. Lose everything. Lose it all. The absent. That is why long before I was pastor, I was determined to be present. I never wanted to miss not one opportunity to be in his presence. Because any time that I'm in his presence, any time I have an opportunity to be in his presence, I wanted to be here. Yes. <laughs> Hallelujah. The Bible says in the book of Psalms, chapter 16, verse number 11, that will show me the path of life in thy presence is fullness of joy. At thy right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. I want to talk to you just for a moment because I feel a dance coming on. I feel a shout coming on in this house. The Bible lets us know as we read that Matthias was present and was chosen. Somebody say chosen. Matthias was present and chosen with the apostles. Simon was present. Somebody say chosen. Simon Simon was present and was chosen to, ca to carry the cross of Jesus. Uh, and you have been chosen. That's why 1 Peter chapter 2 verse number 9 says, but you are a chosen generation. You are a royal priesthood. You're a holy nation, a peculiar people. Why? To show forth the praise of him that have called you out of darkness into this marvelous light. Somebody clap your hands unto the Lord. I'm sorry not to bring you something so revelatory, but I'm, I'm here to tell you the simple things mean the most. And just by you being present, by you pressing your way Sunday after Sunday, I want to encourage this church. You are in the will of God. I'm here to tell you, you are in the will of God. Stop looking at abilities and talents as your weakness, and you ought to look at your strength. Your strength is that you press your way to the house of the Lord. Your strength is that you rose up this afternoon. You put back on your clothes. You got back up out of bed and you said I've got to get to the house of the Lord because I don't know what's going to happen I don't know what can take place but today may be my day so don't ever take on a spirit of absence uh-huh don't 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 even allow yourself to be around people that like being absent that say oh I can miss this week I can miss the next two weeks oh no that's a spirit you don't even want to be around sometimes I wonder and I question and I talk to God I say Lord if you took away the ability of the people that do things in the church would they still come to church and then I say Lord what if I could not speak what if you took away my speech what if I could not do what you have gifted me to do would I still serve you you know that's a great question I would hope to think that I've gone enough with the Lord that if he took my ability away I would still come to the house of the Lord because he's still been good to me if he took my talent away I'll still come to the house of the Lord because he's been good to me even if he took everything away I would still have a dance I would still have a shout am I preaching to anybody that loves the Lord Because I've been chosen. I've been set apart. I've been brought out. I'm a royal nation. I'm a holy priesthood. I'm a peculiar people to show forth the praises of him that has brought me out of darkness into this marvelous light. Let's clap our hands unto the Lord.
Glory be to God. Uh, I've got a little bit more I want to preach on. But let me just flow just a little bit here for the next few moments. And then I'll let you get on out of here. Because you've got to understand that now Rufus has been affected because his dad was present. Rufus' life is now changed because his dad was present. Now he's affected his household because he was present. See, there's people that want to change their household, but they're absent. They're too busy fighting at home when they should be fighting in the house of the Lord. Uh Uh-huh. Oh, I'm a preach because we've got hundreds, if not thousands, listening across the airways. And they need to get this revelatory purpose. You need to get this principle. You need to understand that this is where we belong, in the house of the Lord. This is how I fight my battles. This is how I overcome. This is how I'm victorious. Despite what's taking place in my life, I still got a reason to praise him. I still got a reason to magnify him. My wife may be acting crazy, but I'm going to praise him. My husband may be acting crazy but I'm going to praise him my kids may be lost but I'm going to praise him because this is how I fight my battles hallelujah hallelujah I told you I feel a praise coming on I feel a dance coming on I don't know how you feel but I got a reason to praise him I got a reason to magnify him because this is how we fight It's in his presence. Uh-huh. I'm not trying to get you to run. I'm trying to get you to recognize. I'm trying to get you to understand. Because when you understand, you run. When you recognize, you shout. When you know where your help comes from, you'll worship. Oh, yes. deliverance. You can't say you want deliverance and stay absent. You can't say you want healing and stay absent. You can't say you want joy and stay absent. But I know that there's fullness of joy in the presence of the Lord. I know this is going to be hard to understand, even hard to imagine, but I'm telling you, before God called me to pastor, my wife and I, we, we pressed. Oh, yeah. And see, when you're not required to do something in the church, oh, there's those days. My wife and I, when we showed up in Columbus, Ohio, 
it was the first time in our married life that we were not a part of ministry. A lot of air quotes there because everybody's a part of ministry. You get what I'm saying. I remember the first Sunday. Y'all don't work me too hard. I remember the first Sunday. We dismissed, and my wife and I stood there and said, can we go home? Nobody came up to us. Nobody needs help. Wait, my wife started gathering her stuff. Come on, kids. It, it felt so strange because we were just used to ministry. Just being the last ones to leave, first ones to show up. That, that's been, come on, I'm a preacher's kid. Y'all know that's been my whole life. Amen. Church ain't clean, the parking lot. Oh, Lord, when that snow hit the parking lot, come on, kids. That was me. Why ain't the, where the deacons at? Where the elders at in this church? I'm mad at everybody. I got to do the snow removal. Praise God. It's us, me and my brothers. We out there. Well, my sister just... Yeah, I'm still mad about that. <laughs> she had to do nothing. We, we, it was strange. Brother Barry, it was strange. But see, the enemy likes to work on strange ground. Hear me, hear me. I'm going somewhere. The enemy likes to work in strange ground. Because see, after a while, we said, well, do we? Do we have to go this Sunday? See? Uh-oh. That's not God. That's not God. See, the enemy was working because we was in strange ground. It was unfamiliar to us. And we said, well, I mean, if we're missed, if we go, nobody's, they're not going to know we're gone. And this is 400-member church. So we can easily sneak in and just... Nobody knew. Can't see the six foot four. Well, I was going to say athletic, but I'm, I'm not athletic anymore. <laughs> you, we slide in, slide out. See, the enemy works in that ground. It was then that God birthed something in me. It was then that he birthed something in me and said, will you serve me the same when you're not involved like you've been? It was then God began to work on me and he gave me even greater understanding of my purpose there beyond the natural corporate world that had brought me there. It was for a spiritual purpose, Brother Whitaker. That's what it was. God was saying, will you still love me? Will you still worship me? Or are you only doing the extra because of ministry? Because if I take ministry away, will you still worship? Will you still come? Will you still sacrifice? Will you still press your way? If you couldn't sing no more, would you still come? Praise God. If something happened to those hands and those feet, would you still love him? If you couldn't play that bass no more, if you couldn't play those drums and everything else you know how to do. Yeah, I'm, I'm upset with you too. You just, you just blessed. Would you still love him though? 
Would you still serve in church? Would you still love him? If you couldn't do the things that you like to do, would you still worship him? If you couldn't do the things in ministry that you enjoy, would you still praise him? Would you still be present? Would you still throw up your hands? Do I got a church in here that's not afraid nor ashamed to worship the name of the Lord no matter?